books with Aaron, Paul, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Welcome, guys. Hello. So and this is are, our first time all, in two weeks. We are or? all we are all falling back today, Paul. Oh yeah, I got we, an extra we, hour of sleep. I oh, forgot we, all about that. Yeah, uh, you know, look at us. We, we're controlling time. Ooh, we're in it's the like we're, we're in the past. It's like we're chrononauts. That's why I'm actually awake. <laughs> Maybe that's why all four issues of Chrononauts were released this week, Aaron. What the hell's up with that? Why did they dump all four issues of that book this week? I, don't know. I, I kept trying. I kept looking that up, and I couldn't find an explanation as to why all four issues got released at the same time. Well, yeah. remember that new comic yeah, company that, that decided they were going to do that? Like, oh, we're going to embrace the binge watching mentality, but I don't remember See, really. Get- I don't know why you'd do that and just not release it as a trade paperback. Yeah. You know, if you've got it all done, just l- release it in a clump. Because I, I loved the first the first volume of Chrononauts. I thought that was a great book. Uh, you know, by Mark Miller. Uh, it is being produced into a Netflix series. Uh, you know, as part of his deal with Netflix. And so I was excited to see that volume two was out. But I'm I'm not going to spend the money to buy each individual floppy all at the same time. I'll well, just wait for it either to go on sale or come out in a trade. Yeah, I mean exactly right. It's Seems at that point, like you said, just release it in trade because you know it's going to be on sale within two months. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I had wondered if these were actually reprints or something. No, I did the same. They, they I, just now got digital. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I do. They're 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 brand new. You know, they did the press push. I just did not see a clear explanation as to why they did what they did. Hmm. It's weird to me. I don't know. Yeah. Unexplainable. It is inexplicable, Paul. Inexplicable, also. But, but I gotta say, <laughs> you know, I uh, I uh, saw the channel lineup for HBO Max this week. You know, everything's going to be bundled into HBO Max. And I gotta say, I'm pretty excited about that bundle. It's got uh, it's got your HBO, it's got your your Turner station, so TBS, TNT. I'm hoping Turner Classic Movies is bundled in there as well. It's got your CNNs. It's got all kinds of good stuff. Your Adult Swim, your Cartoon Network. It's got yeah, everything. It's got you your Rick and Morty. But yeah, yeah. Um, so I have HBO now currently, and um, I do think they did say that that would transfer to HBO Max. Um, I would think so. Why would you need both? Yeah, because if not, then I'm going to cancel HBO now, um, which I only had to watch Ballers, which is now over. So I guess I don't yeah. really need it, but I'll hold on to it if it's just going to convert to HBO Max. Well, you need it to watch your Watchmen, Paul. To watch the Watch. Oh, yeah, that is now. Why, why I have it. Nah. Um, nah. Speaking of Watchmen, which I forgot to add to the outline. Uh, well, let's talk about HBO Max first, and then we'll talk about Watchmen. Okay. So, yeah, they I... announced all the, the channel stuff, but they also announced some upcoming original programming. Yeah. That would come to it, including uh, the next season of Doom Patrol will come to that and DC Universe, which I got to say, at this point... I think I'm canceling DC Universe. Yeah, um, I saw that DC is in that bundle, and so what I didn't know, uh, and I, 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 did, I didn't bother researching because uh-huh. I figure at some point somebody like yourself would tell me. Uh, but when it said DC, does that mean that all of that DC content, all that original DC program, is going to going to be linked into HBO Max? Well, at least Doom, Doom Patrol season two, which again is the only real show that th- that's been announced, right? Um, for 2020. Yeah, they said that that would be. So I would imagine if that's going to be, then Titans Season 3 will be. And, you know, that's the shows exciting. going forward will be. So at that point, I'll just cancel my DC Universe. and Which, to be fair, DC Universe, I think, I don't know, I did the prepay thing. Uh, 
but HBO Max is like is the most expensive service at fifteen dollars a month. Yeah. So, wow. but so much content. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say the only reason I would keep it is for the DC Universe programming, um, you know, because the rest of it doesn't really intrigue me. Like, I don't need every season of Friends. I could give a crap about that. Yeah, but, you know, you, you do need, you do need Big Bang Theory, Paul. I definitely don't. I definitely don't. I know that you're totally a Sheldon. Yeah. Well, I know Big Bang Theory is on guys, CBS, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so no, it's, it's, it's a one of guys are anime guys, but uh, they've got the Studio Ghibli catalog going in there as well uh, yeah that well, one is fascinating to me well and they announced some original programming coming to it including uh green lantern a green lantern show and strange adventures which i thought was going to be an adam strange show uh but they're saying it's an anthology series that could be fun yeah you yeah. know set in the dc universe so yeah i mean so i'm intrigued i, I am definitely intrigued by hbo max but i will say um the announcements didn't quite excite me the way that when Disney Plus announced all its day one programming. Well, I mean, come on, you, you <laughs> can't, can, you cannot compare the Warner Book of Business to the Disney Book of Business. I so I can mean, because I'm paying no, double can't. for the Warner Book of Business than I am for the Disney Book of Business. <laughs> yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, HBO Max does have some intriguing properties, um, and if it has show, if at this point, basically, we're we're all we're, we're we're taking plucking all the things out of Netflix that I would want to see. So if if they get this all seasons of Supernatural and all seasons of the CW shows and all that kind of stuff, yeah, I mean HBO Max is going to be where it's at. Netflix is basically for me doesn't really seem like it's worth it once uh, Stranger Things ends. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm uh, wondering about Sabrina. Will will they take Sabrina? Ah, yeah, good point. Yeah, that is a good point. And, and uh, Umbrella Academy. Well, you know, I never saw the first good. season of that. That is awfully good. What? Oh, uh, it is incredible, Paul. You need to watch it. Hmm. Yeah, it is awfully good. Plus, talking chimpanzee. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have been unable to locate, which suggests to me that it is not yet available, but there's supposed to be a Disney Plus Hulu bundle. And yeah, I've not seen it anywhere. There's, it's it's yeah. a Disney Plus Hulu and ESPN Plus bundle. But yeah. I don't see it listed anywhere. No, nor do I. And I have searched far and wide for it. But I will say, so I did the, um, when I was at D23, and I'm, because I'm a D23 member, I went ahead and signed up for the three-year package. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, you did. <laughs> because it ended up being like 348 or something like that a month for the three years. I mean, it was super cheap. And um, then Verizon announced, hey, if you sign up for Verizon, if you upgrade your cell phone plan to the unlimited plan, you get Disney Plus free for a year. And I was like, well, shit, I wish I had known that. Right. But they said, well, hold on. If you've already signed up for the three-year deal, you'll get the free year, and then your three years will kick in after that. And so I looked at it, and it was like a, like a $4 difference between my current Verizon plan, which is a limited data plan, and the right. unlimited plan. So I signed up for it. So I got the free year of Disney Plus, I got the free year of Apple Music, and a free year of that Apple Plus TV, um, which just kicked off uh, this you know uh, this weekend as well. Yeah, so you can watch that Jennifer Aniston show and that uh, yeah and that Jason Momoa thing. Uh huh. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that that's more than worth it. Hmm. 
Well, it sounds like a pretty good deal. It sounds like a lot of people are going to be giving away stuff to, to get your business, which is you know great for the consumer. They have to, right? I mean, at yeah. this point. But, you know, I, I don't want to just have the Disney Plus because, you know, part of the way I'm selling it to my wife because, you know, she's not interested in almost any of the stuff that's on Disney Plus. But the way I'm selling it to the wife is we finally get Hulu. And because uh, there's programming there she's interested in. So I'm, you know, Part of that is a is a is an internal sales job I'm doing with <laughs> Mrs. Ed. <laughs> I um, you know I I didn't do the package deal obviously because I did the the, the this plan that I just mentioned, um, right. but I I don't have Hulu and I actually that 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 intrigued me to the ability to get Hulu because there are a couple of things I want to see Castle Rock and and things like that that are on Hulu but I just I went for the Disney Plus I mean there's only but so much. I need at this point. Like I know, I I just said I have the Apple Plus, and it has that new Jennifer Aniston show and that new Jason Momoa show. There is there is pretty much a ninety percent chance I'm not going to see either one of those. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> like on Hulu, they've got uh, the Handmaid's Tale, uh, and so what I did is I I, I have been buying the Blu-rays because I, we don't have Hulu and you know a large reason I don't have Hulu is I was like ah, I don't really need another streaming service, but now I'm I'm once HBO Max goes live, I am cutting all my premium channels from cable because it's cheaper. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense to, to have right. them, right, at that point because you're right. paying $50 a month in in streaming services anyway. Well, and everything that yeah, I am like in, Paul, I got my, I say like you, Paul, I got my uh, Hulu through my uh, phone provider, so I don't pay for it. I don't think I would pay for it it doesn't have enough intriguing for me, mm-hmm. but I love getting it free. Yeah. Free is good. Free 99. Yeah. Well, I, I'm assuming some of the recent shows that have been announced that they're in development for the CW will also be on HBO Max, uh, including Superman and Lois and Green Arrow and the Canaries. So these are some shows that are going to come out of the post-crisis uh, CW world. I don't know how Batwoman is doing. Um, you know, I don't know how, if that's going to continue past its first season. You know, I, once it, as soon as it started, it pretty much dropped from the interest of, of pretty much everyone out there. <laughs> but uh, the, yeah, they're, they're, they've announced that they're working on a Superman and Lois show, and uh, they are replacing Arrow with Green Arrow and the Canaries, which stars his um, not Stephen Amell's daughter, but I, I guess the Green Arrow is going to be Maya. Or Mia, I don't watch the show, so I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, and the uh, the black canaries that are on the show. Oh, so oh, I've been watching it this season. I didn't watch pretty much any of last season, and I'm ignoring everything with Mia and those characters in this season. But I'm only watching it because yeah, you know, I watched that first episode of the season, and he was on an alternate Earth doing missions for the Monitor. Yeah, well, I mean, you probably so, want to pay attention to that stuff, the the media exactly. stuff now, because <laughs> they're making a show. Based oh on no, that. I'm not. I'm not paying attention to that. I hate that stuff, and I won't watch the uh, spinoff show when it comes out either. Well, they're counting on your business. I am. Know. I am setting <laughs> here the, uh, and I I know it dropped in ratings, but I really am enjoying Batwoman. So I hate that it's uh, not doing as well as everyone had hoped, and I honestly I hate the look of her costume. Like her, her costume's good, but the fake hair just looks really bad. Is it not doing well? I mean, I know I, I made a joke about it 
just because we haven't talked about it and I haven't really seen it prevalent in any of my social media feeds. But I is, know is it, it genuinely not doing had well? A sev- it has severe rating drop from episode one to episode two. Hmm. Well, I do think that episode two is a better episode than episode one. I don't think that the pilot was as strong as it should have been. Um, so I can understand why folks didn't tune back in. I feel like they should have retooled that pilot episode. Yeah, and I am absolutely loving the character of Alice. I think she is very well done uh, throughout the episodes that we've seen to this point. And she really had no depth in that. There's no reason to care about her in the pilot yeah well you know one of the things uh i got the batman beyond blu-ray this week you know it was recently redone in Mm -hmm. hd and so i have uh since friday night i have watched i think nine episodes and uh one of the things that that i marvel about in that you know little 22 23 minute uh cartoon that first episode is how tight the storytelling is and I'm like, why is it they can get so much more done in this cartoon and it's still effective and emotive? And one of those CW shows can spend episodes and not move the story nearly as far. Um, I, and so I, I like to compare that first, even second episode of uh, Batman Beyond where, you know, Terry McGinnis discovers, you know, because it's a very similar story to what happens to Kate Kane. You know, Batman is no longer Batman. You know, Batman's no longer Batman. She discovers the, 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 you know, bat lair. She, you know, uh, takes on the, the mantle of the bat. And I, 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 she is still not fully identified as Batwoman at the end of that first episode, which I think is a mistake. You know, they're doing some, some, uh, uh, you know, unpack storytelling there. Um, they, but in the, the, the Batman Beyond cartoon, you know, you have, you completely have Terry McGinnis's origin. Father dies because he neglects, uh, you know, he, he disobeys his father and he's not home when the bad guys come. Um, you know, so he's got sort of that Peter Parker complex. He runs into the mysterious stranger, Bruce Wayne, discovers that Bruce Wayne was Batman, steals the Batman suit, and at the end of it has created an alliance with Batman. I mean, why why is that so much more effectively done? Is it just the nature of today's storytelling on the CW, or is it the fact that there's just the, the the writers and producers on Batman Beyond are just so much better skilled? I think a little bit of both, right? That's I was about to say, you know, both. Paul Dini, who who wrote that uh, pilot, yeah, you know, that dude can write, and I don't yeah. think he gets enough credit as as this. You know, I think Bruce Tim gets all the credit. Yeah, I, I would agree. But Paul Dini is really the reason that Batman animated series sings he's the one who wrote the heart of ice and the uh-huh. on leather wings and the premiere of batman beyond and matt love and and all those iconic stories and um i i, I do think that's part of it well i you know th- there's so many similarities between those between the batwoman pilot and uh the the batman beyond pilot that uh batman beyond clearly got it right and i gotta say i love the hd presentation of this and even more so than I was before, I am strangely sexually attractive to the dancing, sexually attracted to the dancing girls in the opening credit sequence. <laughs> Just saying. Well, they're in HD now, and I gotta yeah. say, <laughs> give me that freaking Superman animated series. In I know, the, right? You know, I don't. I know. 
I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's because Batman sells more than Superman, but damn it, I want Superman. Yeah. yeah. And there's so much of it. Yeah. Give me. Give me, give me. Give me it all now. Um, well, since, you know, we're going to be a very DC, in fact, we're going to be an only DC-centric podcast this week. Um, but you had mentioned Watchmen earlier, and uh, I have not seen the second episode, but I did see the first episode uh, wow. of, of the new HBO Watchmen show, kind of inspired by Watchmen. You know, it takes place 30 years after the initial Watchmen. It's like modern day. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it, it very much takes place in that world, in, in the post-Watchmen world. Uh, at least in the pilot episode, it's pretty much indistinguishable between the movie and the comic book. Uh, and really, the movie the only difference between the movie and the comic book is uh, the nature of how New York was destroyed. Right. Uh, but, but, you know, and I don't know, uh, you know, they haven't really mentioned any of that in the first episode, the pilot episode, but... You saw, you've seen the first two episodes, right? I have. So what do you think so far? First off, let me say that it defied all my expectations. Uh, I was not expecting to like this show. Um, and it was successful in surprising me, not just in the quality of storytelling, but also n- making uh, some leaps that I don't think I ever would have made. Um, you know, in what the aftermath of the world was like post post the events of the original Watchmen. Um, but, you know, we find a world where uh, police have to wear masks because uh, people will find out who they are and victimize their family. In fact, uh, we find that many police were executed uh before they started wearing masks. So now police protect their secret identities. Uh, and so they're not superheroes, right? They are, uh, but they dress like superheroes. You know, some of the, like people, you you have your, your regular uniformed cops who are wearing a cop's uniform. And then they've got like a, uh, a balakava mask. I think that's what they call it, that you pull up and it just shows your eyes. Yeah, I don't know uh, if that's the name, but I know what you're talking but about. But then, like, the plainclothes detectives have superhero outfits, even though they don't have superpowers, but they, you know, get to get to select their identity, right? Um, and I'm just fascinated by that. I think, it's, I think it's a really interesting way to approach that story. Uh, it is a world where... Uh, racism is is turned up to 11 um it the events of the show are are largely set in tulsa oklahoma uh and you know it tells the story of a uh, affluent black community back in the 20s that was uh hit by uh, the kkk and so fast forward to today uh you know today in the in the show where the uh, where that same town has uh, had uh, uh, oh god they call it uh, red fredations in the uh, yeah. in the in the show you know because the president now is uh, you know Robert Redford now as opposed to Ronald Reagan in the uh, Watchmen book uh, or Nixon in the in the in the Watchmen book um, but you know that's a point of contention. Um, I think there are some brilliant notes in the show that in order to to break the cycle of racism, 
they take the children from these white supremacists who are called the Calvary, um, and they they emulate themselves after Rorschach. You know, they wear the the they wear some you know poor man's Rorschach masks, uh, and they uh, but in order to break that cycle of racism, they take their children and have black families raise them. And I'm just I'm fascinated by this. So there's a lot going on in this show that I I'm just like the, the I think these are just wild ideas on par with something like Brave New World. Um, you know, th- this this seems like something that, you know, were it in a novel, we would be reading it in our senior English class um, because it, it comments so heavily on what we experience now. Uh, so it seems like true science fiction. You know, it do, this does not seem like a superhero smash them up. You know, this isn't, you know, your Justice League. This is very much a commentary on our society, you know, shown through the lens of science fiction, much like a Twilight Zone. So I'm really getting a kick out of it. I'm enjoying the performances. I loved Don Johnson in the show. Um, I, uh, I'm enjoying Lou Gossett Jr. Uh, I, I, just, I, think it's, I think there are some terrific performances. And Jeremy Irons is perfectly cast. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I would mirror much of your opinion. I've not seen the second episode, like I said, but I really enjoyed the first episode more than I thought yeah. I was going to. Yeah. Um, especially when it first started. Like, the the opening sequence is amazing. But then it ticks into modern day, and I'm like, and there's, like, squid rain, and I'm like, uh, is this going to be one of those, like, too weird for its own good HBO shows? <laughs> um, and But, you know, then the raid happens on the Calvary camp. Yeah. Yeah. And I was hooked. I was hooked. Yeah. Um, it is so, so well written and, um, it very much is informed by Watchmen, but at least in the first episode, not beholden to it. Uh, you know, knowing that universe certainly helps, especially from the Easter eggs, but I, I, at least it, it, it didn't seem like you wouldn't understand what was going on. You, you would just get more of it. And if you're like me, you know, when I was a child on an Easter egg hunt, I, I was not a sleuth. I was not a detective. I was not good at finding all the hidden places. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, all the Easter eggs in this show, I mean, if you've read Watchmen, if you've seen the movie, they're all over the place. Yeah. They're but not like to the point place. that you feel like it's not stupid. It's not, you yeah, know, it's, it's not poorly handled. It's well written. Exactly. I would um, agree. Are there any actual characters in there that were in? Watchmen, because no. I haven't seen the show because I don't have HBO. Well, right. not no, right? I mean, Ozymandias. Well, yes, uh, yeah, that, that is correct. Ozymandias is in it, um, and the you know the trailer does say that uh, Doctor Manhattan pops up at some point, but yeah. at least in the first episode he was, and he is referenced a lot. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Manhattan has talked about a great deal. Uh, so, out of curiosity, has. Warshak's diary was it found and released or yes. yeah or, yes so the world does know that he was Osmondias was behind everything well correct yes and no well, right and so that's something that I found interesting and that's one of my struggles with it and it's my only struggle with it which is that we have two concurrent uh, sequels to Watchmen uh, that are not. And I understand one's a comic book with Doomsday Clock and one's a TV show, and they shouldn't be tied together. They are different mediums. But I, but if if because Doomsday Clock is not finished yet, I struggle a little bit with the two different handlings of the uh, sequel and and what happened to the characters. So, and and what I mean by that is in Doomsday Clock, uh, 
you know, Rorschach's diary is published. It's revealed that Ozymandias was was a villain and what he and his plan and all that stuff. And the world basically turned on its head. And you know, with uh, with a little bit of of sleuthing, with a little bit of of remembering or rereading the original Watchmen, you find you, you realize that that's fundamentally flawed. In that um, Rorschach turned you know mailed his diary before Ozymandias's plan was revealed. And before he went to the North Pole and, and all that stuff. So, you know, I think there was a, a little bit of, um, you know, uh, what do you what do you call it when you uh, retool something that's already, been, you know, re, remake, chrono, uh, you know, the chronology. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so so there was a little bit of that. But, you know, it, I, it didn't bother me. I enjoy I enjoy Doomsday Clock. But, you know, in, in Doomsday Clock, Rorschach's journal was published and the world went on a riot, even though Rorschach really sent his his diary into not like it's he not like he sent it to, it to the, the Washington Stone. post, you know, yeah, he didn't send it to the Rolling Stone. He sent it to the frontiersman. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. and, and so the, the TV show actually handles it a lot more appropriately in that those that are inspired by that are the guys you would expect to read, you know, right. basically, you know, this NRA cult mag yeah. type thing. It's fringe. Yeah. It's fringe. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm only two episodes in. Third episode airs tonight as we record this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm digging it a great deal. Yes, um, there's a lot to like here. No, my only, my only concern is that it is uh, written by Damon, or I, I should say, not written, but showrun show yeah. by Damon Lindelof, who created Lost. And um, you know, my, my concern is just that. I, I want I, I hope they keep it tight right I'm not I don't want I don't want a five-year storyline I I really want them to keep this tight you know 12 yeah, episodes that yeah I'd be happy with three seasons yeah you know as long yeah. as it, it has a, a driving force and, and storyline that that keeps me invested but I don't yeah. want them to go aimless with it just because it does well yeah my big concern about Lindelof working on it is does he have an end game because you know they always said they had an end game for lost but didn't really. Agreed. Yeah. Well, like I said, big DC show today because uh, a couple of big releases came out. Um, I I didn't realize I picked up that Tales of the Multiverse book last week, the Batman Nightfall. No, I haven't oh, that, read it that, yet. That book was terrible. Oh well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't read it yet. Actually, there were a <laughs> I, bunch I of good. There were a bunch of books we haven't talked about in recent weeks, including that Superman versus the Clan. Um, but we'll talk about that in a future episode. Um. But uh, this week, Tales of the Dark Multiverse, The Death of Superman came out, and I picked it up on your recommendation, Aaron. Uh-huh, yeah. I liked it until the end. Um, okay. So t- in, in The Death of Superman, th- so these are Tales of the Dark Multiverse, which are stories that are from the... <laughs> I mean, it's basically the same shit I just said. Stories from the Dark <laughs> Multiverse, which is you know was created during Metal, right? In, in Metal, we they, it was it was um, established that there are fifty two universes, but beyond the Source Wall, there's a Dark Multiverse, Dark fifty two universes, or maybe Infinite Universes, where basically shit has gone horribly awry, and you know you, you get twisted versions of the worlds that that we know, and so these are kind of like Elseworlds tales, but not full-on Elseworlds, but basically one decision changed. And as a result, the world is different. And in this one, Superman's died, and in her grief, Lois Lane um, turns to anger and just happens to be the inheritor of the Eradicator powers instead of the uh, character who who got it 
in the regular universe. And so as a result, she, she realizes that, hold on, I can do more than, than Clark ever did, including just stopping people, just murdering people. So she turns murderous, she murders Joker and, and all the villains. And, you know, at, at one point, Batman, because Batman tries to stop her. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm invested in the story until um, it's, spoiler warnings on, uh, until Superman comes back. Like, I liked that bit. I, I, I actually did like when he came back. But basically, two pages later, she screws up and he re-dies. And I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, geez, come on. Like that, that, like, that was the easy way out. Like, I would have much preferred that they become, like, mortal enemies or that he grows to hate her or, you know, she breaks his spirit rather than, like, a page later, she causes an accident and he dies again, like, right after coming out of, you know, being reborn. Yeah, I say that scene, I loved his reaction to her. Yeah. And the uh, the question of why is everyone afraid of that was chilling. Yeah, but you don't get enough time to live in it, right? Because a page later, he re-dies. I, I had a similar reaction when I read it. It's like, I can't believe they went that route and just killed him again. I, I love this book, uh, but I do agree. I wish that, you know, it's like a 40-page book. I think it could have been longer because uh, yeah. I think there was a lot of story there. Um, I would have loved to have seen, like you said, uh, Superman have to become, you know, an opposite to Lois, you know, that, that, yeah. that these two people who love each other so much wind up hating each other. Right. Um, and I, you know, because of Lois is who she is and you know, she has this inner dialogue that we experience throughout the book where she's like, essentially saying it was Clark too big of a wuss to do what needed to be done. Yeah. Right. You know, to 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 impose justice as the eradicator would versus as uh, Clark has always done. And I just I really had it in my head that Lois was going to wind up killing Clark. And, and I honestly would have been OK with that. And I think, yeah, same here. More, you know, if this had been a true prestige format, a 48 page graphic, you know, 48 page, those additional eight pages actually probably would have added enough to the story that would have ended it more satisfyingly for me. It just ended very abruptly for me. It was like it, this it build did. up and, and then it, over. I did not need the two pages that they wasted at the end of the book with that the the multiverse monitor character that they yeah. have. I can't remember his name, but Tempest I didn't Fugit. need those. Yeah, I yeah, Tempest Fugit. I I needed, you know, more of this story. Um well, let me tell you what I thought really worked about this book. So many times when we get like an Elseworld style book or a what if sort of book, they change so much of the original story, right? They, they change, uh, you know, it could be they change the way characters are, are, are depicted or the way they act. But this very much seems like somebody came in to that, you know, 1990s era story and just said, we're changing it from here. The characters are drawn very similarly. The story is exactly the same up to that point. You know, there's no there's no change in the circumstance that leads up to it. The thing that changes is Lois's reaction and how Lois responds to it. Um, I, I thought really thought this worked well. I was literally surprised, you know, because they had Lois as eradicator out there doing all her stuff. And I, I was literally surprised when Superboy and Steel show up. 
You yeah, know, I was too. And I was like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting those guys at all. Very um, pleasant surprise. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Again, wish we'd gotten a little bit more time with them. Yeah. Um, loved the depiction of Cyborg Superman. I mean, this was just like putting on an old shoe. You know, it was just as comfortable as it could be. Um, I got to say, I hope we see more of this character. Yeah. My yeah. biggest complaint about this book is that we got about six pages worth of this Tempest Fugit. When Marvel does these and calls them what ifs back in the day, you know, the watcher would be in like one page, two well, like pages. One panel, right? Like the, like the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it worked effectively to give you a view of this is an alternate reality. This, I don't need the whole backstory. I don't need to see the Batman who laughs in every one of these. Just give a page Maybe to show that this is somebody looking at dark versions of the universe. Yeah. I don't need six pages of this character I don't care about that isn't adding anything to the story that I'm about to read. Completely agree. Yeah. I think I gotta, that's the weak, the weakest part of the book are the five pages that we spend with that character that I could really care less about. Yeah. Well, and I got the name wrong. It's Tempest, Tempest Fuginot, who was a character that Dan DiDio created for that Sideways book, and he's become kind of this multiverse monitor. And, you know, it, it's interesting that they created this new character because is that not Wave Rider? Well, I guess Wave Rider's more time than multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, he's basically their, you know, Tempest Fugion is basically their version of the Watcher. Or, you know, and, you know, it, it, I, I like the idea behind this. I like these dark multiverse books. I actually like, um, there was the, uh, and I don't remember the character's name, but the Batman with guns. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure that's not his name, even though. It can't be any worse Bat- than the Batman who was laughs. that Batman. Was that Batman Noir? No, no. There was um, it, it, it was a part of the the Batman. Oh, the Grim Knight, and, oh. and uh, you know he had a one shot that was actually quite good too. I like these dark multiverse stories, and I know what we're doing is, um, the rumor is that they're building up to, you know, what Scott Snyder's building up to, and all this stuff is kind of this sequel to Metal, right? The, I don't know if they're going to call it Dark Crisis or or something like that, but. Um, yeah, but we're getting this steady build up with you at the villain and all that stuff to and these books to the sequel to metal that'll wrap up this whole multi-year storyline they're doing. Uh, I, I like I like some of these stories. I mean, they're uneven, but um, I will say, uh, even though they didn't stick the landing, I'm glad I picked this book up. And yeah. uh, I have very similar uh, thoughts about the next book that we're going to talk about. Well, before we leave, I just want to say Brad Walker killed the pencils in this book. I, I thought the artwork was was stunning. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the especially the recreations um, uh-huh. of the the pages from Doomsday. Yeah, uh, you know and I the like that they splash, with the, the best yeah, pages. The big yeah. Fights, yeah, God, the big fight splash pages were so reminiscent of the death of Superman. Mm-hmm. I just I, I, I again killed it. Yeah, it really felt like a book that came out around that time with the. Yeah. Uh, Lex Luthor, the way he spoke, the oh man, I gotta know, say the I, big bushy must beard yeah. and mustache. Yeah, the and mentioning even having uh, yeah, mentioning having Supergirl under his thumb. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, miss, in fact, I was really hoping I was really hoping we were going to see Matrix, right? You know, the 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 su- the Supergirl of that time. Yeah, because uh, I mean, God, we haven't seen her in forever. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, red redheaded Lex was was somebody I've missed. Yeah, so. once he popped up, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> like that was good stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the 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 other book, the the other you know deeply dark book uh, from DC Comics this week is Deceased, concluding Tom Taylor's uh, six issue run on what if the anti life equation got loose on Earth, and uh, Paul, Paul, tell yeah. me what you thought. You know, I've loved every issue of this series until this one. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say I disliked it. I would say there were aspects of this book that I very much enjoyed, and it took a different turn in the end. In fact, it took a, a hopeful turn at the end. And it feels weird saying that the that the hopeful turn is what I I didn't like. But for me, it actually didn't feel earned. Right? It, it felt like um, it didn't feel like the right ending for this book. Uh, in fact, there were aspects of the book that that I felt were the right ending, uh, which is. Uh, it's revealed at one point. So, cyborg. So, uh, just if you haven't read this book, I would recommend skipping ahead five, five minutes or so. But you know, Wonder Woman gets infected by the anti-life equation, and uh, Cyborg uses the lasso uh, to compel her to tell the truth, and he finds out that the cure for the anti-life equation was there the whole time. It was him, um, and before he can tell anyone. He's killed. And that moment of the book, I thought, was the best moment of the book. It felt uh-huh. right. And if the book had ended there, I would have been fine with it. Agreed. But, but uh, it, you know, with with all that happened with Superman and, and everything, it felt like too easy that the characters escape to another planet. And, you know, Superman ultimately is a non-issue yeah, it, like it just—it didn't work. The the the—it it went too hopeful for me, and I, I feel so, like again—I feel odd saying that, but it didn't feel like the right ending for this story. I agree that it would have been a good ending to have ended where Cyborg w- was killed, but I got to the end and I'm like, this is an incredibly hopeful ending, and I was very happy by that. Out of a book that's been so dark that DC would give you that hope at the end i appreciated it a lot and my only complaint with the from a sticking the ending standpoint is that they they didn't deal with superman the green lantern showed up i don't like like the calvary coming in to save them i would have liked for them to have had to deal with the situation somehow but i like the hopeful ending i just uh i wish they would have dealt with superman themselves instead of the Calvary coming in to save them. Well, and they set I, up this, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. They, they set up this this beautiful moment where uh, Jonathan Kent says goodbye to Damian Wayne, and I'm like, oh, are they going to pull th- fall, th- you know, go through with this? And they didn't. And that was, you know, that, that that's one thing that actually bugged me. Like the the they there was this fake moment of sacrifice that um that they they took. It's almost like they took it, like, maybe, it almost felt like Tom Taylor was like, I can't do but so much, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I got to give something to the, to these readers so that they don't just go cut themselves. Yeah, I wanted Diana to take him out with the kryptonite sword, the magic kryptonite sword. And mm-hmm. the, the cavalry arrived. Like, if the cavalry would have arrived after she had to do that, I wouldn't have had a problem with the all the Green Lanterns showing up, but they didn't have to have that final fight. 
You know, I, I, I agree with you, Wayne, that, uh, you know, the Green Lantern Corps showing up at the last minute is very much got out of the box, right? I mean, it just can't, comes out of nowhere. We're, we're not really prepped that the Green Lanterns are coming, that this is going to be an option for us. Uh, and that's really dissatisfying. Um, one of my complaints about the book is the fight between Wonder Woman and Superman. I don't know why she would she she gets two shots in. And you know, you you gotta you gotta realize if you're fighting Superman, you gotta go for the killing blow first because you're not gonna get a second. And if you, you don't do get a second, you're not gonna get a third chance. And so she cuts off his arm and then stabs him in the chest. But you know, I don't understand. She she had an opening. We're looking at two panels. She had an opening where she could have gone for the headshot because he was focused on something else and she didn't do it, you know, which left Superman able to do the, all the horrible things that he does after that. Um, if we would have been in her head and if she would have noticed that herself and realized that she was holding back and right. regretted it. Yeah, that would have been a powerful moment. That Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the one of the just super creepy moments is one that Paul was talking about when Cyborg uses the golden lasso on the anti-life infected Wonder Woman and finds out that the anti-life equation has a voice and that the anti-life equation has a desire beyond just being wild and chaos. Right. That it it has a goal that it thinks and I, and I thought that was super creepy, particularly the way they drew Diana uh, in those panels. And the last thing I'll say about this book is I think you could have achieved the same ending uh, with the hopeful ending that, that you responded to uh, so much, Wayne, but also have uh, increased the stakes a little bit more. Had There were two of the space arcs that left. I think Superman should have taken one of those out. And I that there should have the fight should have been, you know, you weren't able to stop that. And, but, you know, everybody's, you know, whomping on Superman and maybe, yeah, you lose John, you know, uh, in that fight. And the, the arc that makes it to new earth doesn't, you know, happily land, but crash lands. And so instead of millions of people, maybe you've got a hundred thousand people that survive this horrible ordeal. And as they're emerging from the ashes of that crash and, you know, super Superman is resolved, then you've got your hopeful, like, but it's a new day. We lived, we can recreate, we can, we can, uh, you know, build a new future. Paul, would it have been a better ending for you if they would have put the uh, Wonder Woman ripping off Cyborg's head after that scene? As, yeah. Like an epilogue? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, it, I feel like that would have been the ending that they earned, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, there would have been that moment of hopefulness. And maybe it's just the ordering of the book. I, yeah. I do agree that maybe, um, you know, one of the ships should have gone, uh, should have you had, been you taken You had out. two of them. You yeah. had two of them. Um, you know, (laughs) but at the same time, yeah, had the book ended on that, that note, like it would have been hopeful. And then the epilogue would have been cyborg finding out that there's a cure and then her tearing his head off and then walking away saying death is forever. That would have been the ending. That would have been the way that this book was, was aiming for to, to end. It would have left you with the right feeling. I think, um, again, I didn't dislike the book. I, my concern is that the reason it ended the way it did 
is that they want to continue the story somehow. I agree. I, I feel like you know, volume two is coming. And yeah, I, I don't. I don't want volume two. I don't want him to ever touch the story again. I really enjoyed it. It stuck the ending for me, but it could have done things better. Yeah. I don't want them to come back and ruin this. It didn't, you know, that's the thing. It didn't, like, ruin the story for me. And I will say there are, you know, stories that the ending was so bad, I'm like, oh, well, I never need to read that again. Overall, this was an amazing miniseries with some great character moments. Only one tie-in book that was also well-written. Um, and it was it was a unique way to handle this type of Elseworlds tale. And I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, you know, there were, there were aspects of the ending I didn't agree with. Uh, but at the same time, it's not like I disliked it. But I, I will say, deceased right now, I probably have to look at it. But you know, uh, probably the miniseries of the year for me um, so far. I would agree. So uh, one more book to talk about from DC this week. Now, uh, DC, we mentioned this a little while back, has kind of retooled their line. So uh, they, they've got some imprints, but the imprints are really more based on age than they are on specific categories, right? Like Vertigo doesn't exactly exist anymore. Um, but books that previously may have been uh, published as Vertigo uh, are, are considered mature readers. They're now being called DC Black Label. And they're going to have little pop-up imprints throughout. So uh, like Jeff Johns is going to have one, and I don't remember the name of that one. Um, but Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, uh, has his own little pop-up imprint. Uh, he's written a number of comics, including the lock and key series for IDW. Uh, and he has started his no own little pop-up imprint for DC comics called Hill house. And that kicked off this week with basket full of heads issue one. Uh, and this one's actually written by him. Not everyone is written by him. Um, some are, are just like folks he's, he's brought with him. And this is very much the, the, like the first chapter of, of a book, um, of, of a horror story and I, I think we all read this one i think actually i'm kind of curious to see what wayne thought of it since he had not originally intended on picking this up so i really enjoyed the book i enjoyed all the interactions and i don't feel like anything actually happened <laughs> like i expected more from a first issue than this more of a setup for what we're going to see out of the series and and didn't get that I really like the character interactions, but it re it felt like I was reading a slice of life story and not the horror story that this is going to become. Um, yeah, I would agree. I, this felt like the first yeah. fifteen minutes of a movie, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I completely agree. Completely, completely agree. It's it's setting up uh, intercharacter relationships. Uh, the only thing that happens in this book happens on the last page and a half, where you know they hear somebody break into the house they're in. Mm -hmm. You know. Which, uh, you know, for anyone who's read Lock and Key, Joe Hill seems really into this home invasion stuff. Because that's how Lock and Key started as well. Um, I, I do feel like... I, I feel like I would have preferred this to be the first half hour of a movie instead of the uh -huh. first 15 minutes. I'd rather have... You know, just give me a double-sized first issue to give me some meat on the bones. Uh -huh. uh, but I, to your point, I, I did like the character interactions. And it does give you a moment to actually care about the characters. But... As the launch of a new imprint, it needed some punch to it, and there was no punch. I did not read the uh, backup feature Sea Dogs chapter one of Sea Dogs. Oh, you did because uh, I, I I've got it. I'm it's still saved. I'm going to read it, but it was such a uh, tonal jump from uh -huh. what I was reading. I just 
couldn't couldn't make that shift in gears. Oh, I loved it. The, 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 the it Sea Dogs is really good. And it's only like five pages. So it's just the yeah. introduction to the story. But, um, you know, in each of these Hill House books, they're going to be publishing this backup feature, which is um, a, uh, it's a it's a strip about how uh, we used werewolves to win the Revolutionary War. And uh, it, it's, it's very much the art style and the storytelling style kind of reminds me of those old Tales from the Crypt books. Yeah. Um, I, I I thought it was a fun uh, fun few pages, even though it was only five pages. And I liked the little essay um, from Joe Hill at the back of the book as well. I liked Basketful well, I, of Heads. I did too. And I'm picking, you know, it, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Nothing happens. But I love the characters. I love the dialogue. You had a really strong sense of place. Um, you know, I felt mm. like I was in this community. I felt like I knew who the people were and what the culture was. Um, I loved, I dug it. I thought it was really strong storytelling. I yeah, I said it felt okay. like a site. It felt like a slice of life, and that's not a that's not a bad thing necessarily. Yeah, I like no. I like getting into the characters and the uh, the setting. So I'm on board for issue two, even though nothing happened in issue one. And it's so I funny. wish they would have done a little more, but yeah, it's so funny because if for anyone who's listening, we are literally talking about a book where a dude picks up his girlfriend, goes talks to the sheriff and then goes to the sheriff's house for dinner and, and that's that's what happened yeah. in this book yeah. <laughs> um and and we're and we're we're talking when we're we're all on board for issue two so that's the strength yeah. of the storytelling and the characters yeah um and, Don't and where forget we hope he the story her on the bridge ah, well yeah there's that. <laughs> as one does yeah i mean duh that's what you do yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the art. I thought the art worked well, and art I think the fantastic. art will work well when it goes horror. It's kind of yeah. Francesco Francavilla um, yeah. style. And, and I, I don't know that I'm familiar with Leo Max, uh, but but he is the fellow who does the illustration, and it is gorgeous. Yeah. I love the illustration. So um, these Hill House books, there's uh, in this first round, it looks like there are three different, oh, four different books. Uh, Basketful of Heads, The Dollhouse Family, The Low, Low Woods, and Daphne Byrne. Uh, the next book is The Dollhouse Family, which comes out on November 13th. And is so, that the first issue? Yeah, the first issue. Cool. So yeah, I'll uh, check it out on the strength of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like Joe Hill. Uh, you know, he is... Uh, he's very much like Stephen King at that age, um, mm-hmm. so, which is kind of funny. But... Uh, you know, I, I enjoy that he, he very much invests in the comic book stuff. And uh, I, I liked Lock and Key. So hopefully this is a good imprint. And, you know, I, I'm always up for some good horror comics. Yep. Well, good deal. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, um, actually, from Marvel Comics, we have Amazing Spider-Man issue 33 from Nick Spencer and featuring Patrick Gleason's Marvel, uh, you know, the start of his work on Marvel books. Um, and the reason I bring it up is that this is also the start of the big 2099 event that's going to wow. run through the end of the year. And so that, that, that all kicks off in Amazing Spider-Man number 33. Also from Marvel Comics, we have the second issue of Ghost Rider uh, from Ed Brisson and Aaron Cooter. I think, Aaron, I think uh, Wayne and I, we were, we, were we on board for issue two of Ghost Rider? I think I was going to give it a second issue. Okay, I'll do the same. Um, and another book that I'm going to give a second issue to is uh, Christopher Cantwell and Salvador LaRocca's Doctor Doom. Uh, issue 2 comes out next week. From DC Comics, we have uh, new issues of Superman Up in the Sky. Uh, issue number 5 comes out. And Batman Universe number 5 comes out as well. 
Uh, we also get first issues of Green Lantern, The Black Stars, uh, which is a, a takeoff uh, on the end of Grant Morrison's Green Lantern. This is also written by Grant Morrison, uh, but you know I, I, they started incorporating the Dark Star, Black Star mythology, and this is um, the, the the kind of the, the what comes next in that series. And Aaron, you you were reading that Green Lantern book, weren't you? Yeah, I've been buying it in trade. Okay, any good? Eh. 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 Uh, well, that's why I brought it up. So I guess <laughs> eh. um, it's good. It's good enough that I'm buying it in trade when it's on sale. Well, and we get the first issue of Brian Michael Bendis and Ryan Sook's Legion of Superheroes comes out next week as well. And one book that I'm actually quite excited for is Undiscovered Country Number One, which is co-written by Scott Snyder and Charles Sewell, with art by Giuseppe Camuncoli. Um, it's from Image Comics, it's, uh, you know, and it is about an epic adventure. Uh, in this special oversized first issues, readers will journey into the near future and an unknown nation that was once the United States of America, a land that's become shrouded in mystery after walling itself off from the rest of the world without explanation over 30 years ago. When a team seeking a cure for a global pandemic breaches U.S. borders, they find themselves in a struggle to survive this strange and deadly lost continent. Uh, so it's kind of this post-apocalyptic journey across America and what America has become after walling itself off from the rest of the world. Uh, I'm intrigued. You know, Scott Snyder and Charles Sewell are, are two of my favorite comic writers right now. So I, I am definitely going to pick up that first issue. Very good. Well, uh, we'd love to hear what you thought about the week's comics. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on our social media accounts, uh, IOM Geek on Facebook and Instagram, at Ideology Madness on Twitter. Excellent. We look forward to talking to you next time right here on IOMGeek.com podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com funny books with aaron and polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com no spider-man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast